Yeah, Angelo said about sharing about hearing his voice a little bit. Don't get hung up on hearing the voice of God. And some people struggle so bad with it. And they say, man, I don't hear the voice of God. And I just feel like I'm talking to myself or just here's where you it's always going to go back to faith. There's times where I'll just lay and muse in my heart and meditate on the scripture that's already in my heart. And I feel like God speaks to me through that sometimes. There's times he'll just talk to me in my spirit in straight English and just straight up talk to me. You say, well, that don't happen to me. Don't get hung up on that. You don't even hear me talk about manifestations in my life, administrations. I don't even talk about things I feel. I don't talk about a lot of personal stuff because we start making that our barometer. And then we start again weighing, well, those things aren't in my life. I mustn't be close to God. I guess when I get closer to God, I'll start having that. No, it's not like that. There's some people that hear God different. Some people hear through pictures. Some people just read the word and the word. God kind of speaks through his word in a way where you just see it, know it, and you know God's communing. It's, there's a lot of different ways to hear the voice of God. If I would just say how I hear the voice of God specifically, you would maybe weigh yourself against that and see if that's and try to pursue that for your reality. But there might be a way where you're you function, where you think, where you see, where your childlikeness, your innocent leads you in innocence, leads you in such a way where God just speaks to you like a little thought and a whole thing will open up. I know people that will just and this happens to me sometimes, but usually God talks to me in straight English in my heart. He just talks to me and I, I've learned to know it's him like like I'll just say, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's so you. You're just, wow. You're, and he'll do it out of the blue sometimes. Sometimes I'm jogging and he'll say, hey, Dan, you know, and he'll just talk to me. And I'm like, yeah, whoa. And people wonder why I'm running so fast because God's talking to me. <laughs> or or <laughs> you ever see me going down the road like this, barely running? Probably God's talking to me. But usually I get running real fast. One morning he woke me up at five and said, right in my spirit, it sounded like you were whispering to me in my ear almost, but it wasn't audible. I can't explain. It, it was so clear. He said, hey, let's go run together. Five in the morning. I said, okay. Because he said it. It wasn't like, five in the morning? Come on, Lord. I just want to sleep. No. He, there's so much grace in the relationship. See how I'm getting right now? There's so much. I'm, I'm, I'm leaping like a heart. <laughs> I'm leaping like the deer. I have deer speak today. He said, let's, let's go run together. And I'm like, it's five in the morning. I'm doing 15-hour-a-day, four-day conference. It's five in the morning. I'm not even going to bed till one thirty-two. If you think about that in the natural, that's a no go. But Holy Spirit said, hey, let's, let's go run. And I went, okay, whoa, Todd was snoring anyway. <laughs> Holy Spirit doesn't slumber and I was awake. So <laughs> I said, since we're both laying here awake because of him, I'll go with you. No, that's what I told Todd. Todd was like, that's just wrong, dude. That's just wrong. He's like, so, so you guys just left me alone. You just left me. You guys just went. I said, well, yeah. I said, we came back. You were still snoring. <laughs> he said, that's just wrong, dude. That's wrong. And uh, <laughs> it was so funny. I ran down that road at five in the morning in the pitch dark in a farm 
kind of back farm area in Ohio, no streetlights, nothing, pitch dark, where a dog tried to eat me the day before. <laughs> Serious, the dog tried to eat me, and I had to speak in the name of Jesus, and he's showing me that he had a good set of teeth, and, and I'm like, you will not. In Jesus' name. And he was really trying to eat me. If I wasn't a Christian, he'd have ate me. God held him back. I know he did. That dog was going to eat me. So now it's pitch dark. And I'm running by that same house in the pitch dark. And the Holy Spirit wants to run. That dog is not eating me. I'll run right down that road. I'm not tempting God. He wants to run. It's the only road I know to run on. I chugged right by that house. Eat your heart out, doggy. I'm with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> See, I live that way. I believe there ain't no possible way to be afraid. None. Absolutely not. They took me on a road in Alaska when I was at that youth camp. And a dog came out of nowhere and was eating the lady's tires. Like, <laughs> and I thought he was going to bite through the rubber. And I went, wow, he's just out here. And I'm going to be running by here. Sure is a good thing I'm in covenant. They take me on. She said, I didn't know the macadam was ending. I said, okay. They're telling me that there was just a bear attack that weekend. And moose and bear attack are the number one casualty of people in Alaska. Moose attack because of calves. And you're running and you get beat. And the calf's on this side of the road eating and you don't see it. And the mom's on this side and you jog between them. And the mama goes, whoa, you're in between my calf. And stomp you. That's what they do. And bears just get hungry, I guess, because they're them big brown bears. So she drives me out, and all of a sudden I look, and there's this vertebrae with ribs along the road. And I'm driving her. So I got the dog. I get all these opportunities for fear. Now I got the vertebrae with ribs. I'm like, that's peculiar. I guess somebody dumped that out a year ago, maybe. So he's still going. And now it's brush all along the road. And the road's narrowed down from here to the wall. And it's just solid bushes. And now I look. And now here's a dead animal, dismembered, hair and bones everywhere, right where she's dropped me off. And I said... This doesn't look like an honorable place to die. I said, this has nothing to do with the gospel. I can't die here. She said, do you want to run? Are you okay? Maybe you shouldn't run here. Maybe I should. No, I'll be okay, honey. Drop me off. That's just what I told her. She drops me off. I had to check the carcass out, Dean. I go over there. Here was a moose. I thought, man, if something's killing a moose. Here's this big moose tortoise shreds. And and I look, and it was kind of fascinating to me. I'm an outdoors guy. Remember how I said I play with the rattlesnakes, right? I'm there, and I'm like, whoa, there's wolf tracks everywhere. And I'm like, this is, like, amazing. And then I started, oh, I realized the hide in the carcass where, where it was all ripped up was drug way up. And as I get up there, here's this big set of brown bear tracks. He drug it up there and must have been sitting with it. And I see these movies and hunting shows where they're laying on it, guarding it. Don't let nothing near. And I started thinking, this might not be the best place to stand right here. And I looked and I kind of, I was like, I think I'll head back. But you have to understand, fear is a dime a dozen in that place. So when I go by the place where the dog is, if you don't have a close relationship with Holy Spirit, you are freaked out. But I just know I'm okay. I can't explain that other than I know I'm okay. I ran right by the house, never saw the doggy. And I did see the white doggy, but I never saw the black one that tried to eat the car. So all I'm saying is there's a thing called relationship with Holy Spirit. 
right? Where you're growing with him, where you're having intimacy and fellowship with him, where you're hearing his voice, let's go run together. If he said, let's go run together, everything's cool. I had that in my, I got up at five, I ran, I ran five miles. I was back to the hotel in 28 minutes because the whole way he preached a revelation of the blood the whole way. So those times aren't every day with me. There, people talk like God talks like that every day, and maybe he does with them. But I promise you, if he's talking like that every day, I wouldn't probably share that with everybody unless your life reveals that because it lessens the impact of him talking to you. Some people say, oh, I this, and all these, they're talking all about their spiritual experiences, and they got issues, offense, hurt, and cycles in their life. And it, 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 and people look at that and they think, man, if you're in the presence of God all the time, how come you got all them issues? And it does. It confuses people. And it, it wanes the power of being in his presence. And sometimes you have to be careful with just talking manifestations. You know when somebody's with the Lord. You know by their life when they're walking with him. The reason I don't share my personal experiences too much is because I don't want them to be the barometer. I don't want people to chase after that for their experience. Because here's what I know. If we preach on identity and you start entering in by faith in your bedroom, he'll see you there. He'll meet you there. And then your relationship will be your relationship. And then Angelo will have his own revelation, his own identity, and the way that he hears the voice of God. But it's many ways with me. Sometimes he'll speak one word to me and open up a whole paragraph in a moment. Do you see what I'm saying? It'll, it'll just Everything will make sense. Like, I'll just see what he's saying. You see what I mean? Like that time when, when I said I knelt and he said, why would you be discouraged? That's all he said. And when he said it, I knew exactly what he was saying. I saw the whole picture in a millisecond. You get it? The number one way he speaks to me is through his word. It's the number one way. His word. He speaks to me. What I mean by that is I'll read a scripture and because I've filled my heart with the word, three other scriptures will just pop off and, and, and all of a sudden the dots are connected. All of a sudden I see what the Lord's saying. I'll read a chapter and all of a sudden it, my heart will just start to open and, and there's, there's things about Jesus' life. There's his word. I so treasure his word like silver. Like that proverb. I treasure his word. Do you get what I'm saying? So he speaks to me, Angelo, mostly through his word. Some people get pictures and visions. It's all ways we hear from God, a whole bunch of ways. He said what a lot of us probably feel sometimes. I feel like I'm just talking. I understand there's a there's a big time time for all of you. I know people say you talk too much. You never let him talk. There's a big time time for you to continue to make confession out of your heart and belief and everything you're wanting to believe. It's not a confession sheet and expression. We're going to do it in a minute. You're going to see what I'm talking about. And the whole time I'm doing that, you're saying, well, God can't speak to you. You know, conversations are two sided. He has plenty of time to speak to me. He can speak to me any time. There's a time where I need to establish my heart in truth. There's a time where I might go for I might go for 40 minutes and not hardly take a breath. 
But the whole time I am, I'm releasing faith and grace is establishing me in that. And I'm making declarations and declaring things and seeing things. And God's actually praying through me. Sometimes I've learned that Holy Spirit's actually the one that's causing me to pray those things. Because when I pray them, I see them. Pray them, I see them. So is he speaking to me in that process? Absolutely, right while I'm talking. Because as I'm praying, I see what I'm saying and I'm becoming what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, grace is meeting me where faith is. Or you can feel like, man, I'm just talking to the air. I don't feel like God's there. He's absolutely there because he says he is. Period. So don't feel like you're talking to the wall. You're not talking to the wall. Say, well, I don't feel any sense of anything. That's all right. Continue in the word. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. When you find a reason to back off, when you find a reason to pull back, or you say, well, I tried that, brother, you're reducing the gospel to a method and a form of function that'll deceive your heart. It's not a method. Faith is a lifestyle. We come to him. Amen? Amen? Come on. You have a good friend, and you know they're your friend. And you know you're, they're your friend, and you're not at their house, but, but, but there's already a revelation that they live there. There's already a revelation that this is their phone number. You call them, and there's nobody there. There's nobody there. It's like when I call pastor. There's nobody there. You just get his voicemail. But I know he's real. I know he's alive. And I don't lose heart. And I keep calling because I'm going to get through. Get it? <laughs> Why? Because a revelation's established that I know who he is. I know. <laughs> I really used you, didn't I, on that? <laughs> it's been my experience at times, but I call back. And every once in a while, I say, well, I left a message and I know he hears me. And guess what? He's faithful and calls me back. You get it? Do you hear the principle there? Don't separate this from our relationships. I've settled. He'll call me back. I know he's heard me. Look, I called three times now and I haven't got through. It seems like he didn't hear me, but I know he heard me. And I guess he's just caught up in this or that. Now, I know that's not with God. God's always there. He's not like I always say that the one difference between our relationships and me as a pastor, I'm never God's never on another line. And if he is, he can still be on yours. You see what I mean? So he's actually on everybody's line. But when you call me or I call pastor, he might be on his line. That's the only difference there. God's door is never locked. It's never knock first. It's never sorry in a meeting. So there's things about our natural relationships you don't compare to God. God's always available. You can boldly in the throne of grace. But don't struggle with that, okay? It's a good question. Excellent question. Enjoy the ride. Grow up into him in all things. Don't make seeking him a method. If you're saying, I tried that, then you've embraced a mindset that's discouraged you or frustrated you, and you've reduced your relationship to a method of seeking him instead of an expression of heart towards him. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's, there's times he speaks to me. I wish it was all the time where he speaks to me like in such revelation in so clear English, and that's not always. This morning I was driving. I was up early. I took a ride. It was still dark out. I, I just couldn't sleep. I prayed and I just couldn't sleep. And I went out to the water company and walked. It was still dark when I got out there and uh, windy and little bit drops of rain. But I got praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. And I mean, it, here's a good example, Angelo. As I was, I just so knew I was loved and I felt so encouraged in my heart to be born again. Here I am saved 15 years and I'm driving down the road, praying in tongues so so grateful I'm born again. And I just started to yell, Jesus, so loud. 
as I'm driving. And the presence of God just went out of the blue. Just the tangible, holy presence of God just enveloped me. And I'm just, I love you so much. See, I'm feeling that right now. But that was at 6.30 in the morning. Six in the morning it was. That's what it was. And it was just an expression of communion. I'm praying in my spirit. I just prayed in the spirit. I was just building myself up. I was aware of Holy Spirit in me. I was just speaking out divine mysteries. I was just praying. I didn't have any interpretation. I was just having fun. Nobody was listening. I didn't have to interpret it. I, interpret it. I was just crying out of my spirit. I was just crying. I was loud. I was, <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. I got pretty like... I started yelling, Jesus. Oh, I had Misty Edwards in the background with me, rocking, seeking Jesus. So I was like, girl, you are on it. Yeah, we are in the same throne room. It was just good because she was right with me. Somehow she got through the door with me. It was like, actually, it was at that place when I've hit it on and turned it up. And because uh, I there was a, a track there that came on my heart and I, I hit it and I turned it up and it was I turned it way up. And uh, I got screaming, Jesus, Jesus. See, nobody, you guys weren't there. That's secret time. That's personal. The more you give yourself to that, okay, watch this. It's good that we're here. You give yourself to that more than you give yourself to here. Because that's where, that's the only place what we're doing here is real. Becomes your reality. That's where you walk it out. That's where it becomes established. Is that fair? Make a strong statement. You can sit here and get tons of information is what it'll be in the long run. Without that place, that's all it'll be. Without that, everything you get here is information. It's, it's knowledge. It'll puff you up. And in the long run, it'll bite you because this whisper will say, Yeah, you know all that, but it's not your experience. And there you are in that cycle again. Feeling like if I didn't get it by now, I ain't gonna. You, you, this is your birthright. That thing I just said this morning, whatever that looks like to you, that doesn't mean this. You don't hear me even preach a lot on praying in tongues like that because then people make it a method. We get into work so quick. We're like, okay, I got to pray like 10 minutes in tongues every morning. I might not even think of praying in tongues. It might not even rise up in me to pray in tongues in the morning. I might just pray in English and read my Bible and and worship Jesus. And every time might look totally different. Do you get what I'm saying? Honestly, when it's like that, I think it's true relationship. Because I'm not under pressure to perform anything. I don't feel like I have to do something to get something. I don't have to pray in tongues for a half hour to get something. I already have it. I'm entering into what I know I already have, and that becomes clearer and brighter. If I end up praying in tongues in the process, great. If I end up just singing a worship song to him, great. If I end up parking along the road and crying and getting out of my truck and kneeling in the field, great. But none of those things are what's making it happen. I'm doing all those things because of him. It's just a flow. It's, I'm not doing that to get to him. I've already got to him. He's already got to me. You see what I mean? You have to be very careful. I'm very careful not to teach that stuff out in a way where you're going to hear it as works. Because we make stuff works. It's like Christian aerobics or something or morning exercises. Do you know what I mean? 
So, and there's a general truth there that you could teach it out in a, in a healthy way, but the tendency of people is, is to turn it into something they do to get somewhere. Are you okay with what I'm saying there? Do you get what I'm saying there? Because we've been taught so much to do this and pray an hour in tongues and then try English and it might be good to get on your knees and a half hour prostrate wouldn't hurt your humility life and da 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 da. That's all the spontaneous response of my heart. I was laying on my face one day thinking, you know, I want to honor God. I need to honor God. And, and I laid on my face prostrate. Nobody was looking. Nobody was even around. I laid on my face. As soon as I got on my face, Holy Spirit said, hey, why don't you just flip over and talk to me? And I bawled and I rolled over on my back and he just loved on me and we just talked. But you know, he didn't, he didn't, because my heart's so sincere in what I'm telling you, he, he, and I've asked him to father me and, and lead me and disciple me that way, that, that if I'm even slipping into something like works, I think he'll slip up. If our hearts are in that place, and it's not about works at all, it's about knowing him and loving him, even if my heart's sincere and I feel like I want to honor him and get prostrate, and it, and it could have any look of works whatsoever, or this is how I'm going to get in deeper or whatever, I think that's right when Holy Spirit will slip up and say, hey, psst. I love you. Why don't you just roll over and talk to me? I flipped right over. I was so humbled by that. I was so that was like that was like the biggest kiss. I was like, God, just flipped over. Just talk, share. Did very little talking after that. Just knew he loved me. Just laid there quiet, ministered some things, gave me some direction and stuff. Actually, the way he works with me. He usually gives me information and answers and directions on things I've been seeking, not what I'm seeking right now, because then I don't know about you, but back in the beginning, I used to have the tendency, is that God or me? And uh, here's how he fathers me. I'll ask questions in the morning or through the day, and about three hours later when I'm not even thinking about it, he'll go, boom, boom. <laughs> Or just speak to me and answer what I was talking about three hours ago. And I know it's not me because I'm not even thinking. Do you get it? That's how he fathers me. Because who's ever been in that? You're seeking direction. You're seeking direction. You want wisdom. What do I do, God? And then you start getting impressions. And next thing you know, your mind's engaged. And, uh, and then is that just my desire? Is that what God's saying? Is that just what I want to do? Is that really God? Is that just me? Who's ever been in that? I think we've all probably been a little bit in that. Right? So a lot of times if I'm in something like that, I'll just, look, you love me. I'm not under pressure. I don't even, I don't even have to answer that right now. You'll convince my heart because you love me. And I just don't want to live out of my head. I want to live out of my heart. So thank you for fathering me. And I'll release faith that he hears me, that he's answered me, and I won't worry about it. And I'll continue to enjoy the day in him and grow and flow and do whatever. And out of the blue, Usually within that day, out of the blue, bam. When I'm not even thinking that. And you'll know it's God. So that's something too. So don't struggle. I think all I'm saying right now is don't struggle in knowing him. Because if you're struggling, you're making it some kind of method. It's not a relationship. Do you know what I mean? In fact, when you struggled in your earthly relationships and people, and it didn't seem like it was that who's ever struggled in a relationship and then uh, felt like they drove somebody off or lost their own zeal to pursue that relationship because it didn't seem like it was working. Why would it be any different this way if you start believing that? 
And then you lose desire, but yet you don't. It's still there. It's a deep ache in your heart. But then a year goes by and you haven't really been seeking him like you were. And You know what I mean? Probably somebody's had that experience and knows what I mean. You see what I'm saying? I know I'm taking slow. I feel like, it's, but just bear with me on this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. See, you have to understand in this school, it's not about just teaching and preaching the Bible. I'm talking about, I'm trying to be conscious in, in my heart to hear Holy Spirit. I've been asking him to break things down and give me a grace to to talk about all these little side details that can be stumbling blocks to us. Do you understand why we're doing that? Why I'm taking my time and going so slow in little areas like this? Does that make sense? Because if I just talk to you about fellowship with God, all these little things that keep you from entering in could still be there if they're not exposed. The more they're exposed, the more we give understanding, the better we see, the more we can become what we see. Does that make sense, Ron? Um, I, I think a lot of people kind of identify with this. A lot of times I'll want to seek God and be alone with God, and I'll try, and my mind goes a million miles all, you know, I, I, I can't discipline my mind to stay put on one thing. It just goes in circles. Okay. If that, who's that ever happened to? Who's that happened to? Okay. Here's the deal. If there's a song, if your heart's to seek God and that's happened, if there's a song that really... Uh, touches your heart that that means something to you that you really like to sing to him not just a prayer song that you receive but just a song that gives him honor might be good to enter into a place like that pray in the spirit a little but what we're going to do right now is is the answer to what i've done in my life because it happens to all of us at some level at some time some people it seems like it always happens who does it seem like it always happens to okay the way to step through that is meditating on the word. And isn't it amazing? Your question comes right when I'm ready to go there. And this is what the Lord showed me to do today at 430 in the morning. He woke me up at 430 in the morning and told me to do what we're about to do. And you ask a question. That is the answer, because what I'm going to say to you when I do this is going to say, some of you that have trouble keeping your mind focused and you feel like this is this is something and this is what it looks like that will get your mind locked in. And isn't it cool that I just turned you to 1 Corinthians 30 and he asked that question. That was actually for me. That wasn't even for you. And I already believed I heard God at 430, but now I am so sure. <laughs> I'm like, so affirmation is good for all of us. Who, who, who believed already that they heard God and then it was good to be affirmed that you knew you heard God, even though you knew you, you were heard God. Like there was first Corinthians, uh, chapter one, verse 30. Did I say, did I say first Corinthians 30? Did you guys think I had a different Bible? <laughs> Some of you were like 30, where's chapter 30? It ain't even here. You didn't look for 30. Who looked for 30? <laughs> First Corinthians 1, verse 30. <laughs> now, I turn to 1 Corinthians 1, and I do this all the time, and then I start preaching out of another chapter. I'm not doing that on purpose, okay? It just happens. I don't know why. Things come in my mind. But Psalms 1 says, if you meditate day and night in the Word, Right? You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Talks about bearing fruit in your due season that your leaf won't wither. 
Wow. Why oh, you're playing about the? It doesn't. It, 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 see, so, so you you know, there's no such thing. There's honestly no such thing as going through a wilderness if he's there. Wow. Everybody's talking about. I said, I'm going through a wilderness. Well, you, you're just got the same eye the Hebrews had, and you're dying there like they did. Jesus went through a wilderness and came out with the spirit and power. He went through selfless. They went through selfish. We know that. But the bottom line is he's there and he's our father. There's no such thing as a wilderness. You're in the world and not of it, though. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That Psalms 23 is not a psalm to read just at a funeral. That, that's a shallow interpretation. That's actually a psalm for the Christian when he gets born again. Because the earth is cursed in the sense that it has a time limit on it. Cursed in the sense that it's suffering from the fall of man until it's rolled up like a garment and burned with fire. There won't be a new heaven or earth. So this earth as you know it is going to be totally, totally removed. So you're walking in the shadow of the valley of death of a place where revelation will come to pass. An earth that's going to be rolled up like a garment and burned with fire. Did you get that? Yes. So you're walking, but you're not fearing evil. Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness, the people, but the lights upon you. Think of Psalms 23 and, and in that place, walking in the valley of the shadow of death. It just seems like death is impending and waiting to come. It just seems like catastrophe is lingering all the time. There's just always it, the Bible actually says that there's things that are going to happen. God's going to come. And it says that people in revelations that aren't prepared, that don't understand. It says that it's 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 going to be a day of darkness. And gloom because there's no hope when you're apart from him. And they're going to cry out for rocks and trees to fall on them. They're going to seek to hide in a cave. Least they have to face him being apart from him. I mean, that's serious thought. So there's no such thing as a wilderness when God's there. The closer you are to God... And the more you walk with him, the more you'll see life for what it really is. The, you'll see life as a headache without knowing him. You'll see the people you work with as a pain in the wherever. Wherever. Just pick a holy sanctified place. The neck. <laughs> the next time one of you say, pray for my neck, it hurts. I'll say, see your coworker clear. No. <laughs> <laughs> How do you see your coworker? <laughs> I see my coworkers a pain in the butt. <laughs> it's my neck that hurts. Pray for my neck. <laughs> my butt's fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. Help! 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 <laughs> Serious. If God's there, if you're in relationship with him, your perspective on life is crystal clear. If, if God's there, how can it be a wilderness? Were they in trouble in the wilderness? Did they ever have a reason to complain? In reality, were they ever going to die? But because they failed to see the truth, they died. But they weren't ever to die. They didn't have to die. They, they died because they didn't see truth. That's powerful. It's never a wilderness. Please don't, don't get trapped. Man, I'm in such a wilderness. 
I told somebody recently, I said, it must be the Israelites' wilderness. Because it's not producing life. You're getting your eyes on yourself and how these circumstances are affecting you instead of manifesting God. See, if the circumstances are manifesting God, your eyes aren't on you and you don't even see wilderness. You're actually manifesting God in the midst of trial. That's all it is. If you turn inward and get your eyes on you and how life's affecting you, you'll just say you're in the wilderness your whole life. We're in the valley of the shadow of death. We're in the world. We're not of it, guys. God's there. God's there. Okay? Do you see why we spend so much time in knowing him? To know him is eternal life. Not to pray a prayer. To know him. Knowing him. When your mind... I got, I got on all that because I quoted Psalms 1. And then we went to 23. I'm, if you meditate day and night in the Word, you don't sit in the seat of the scornful. You're not hanging out and running with the mindset of the sinful man. You're not living in the wisdom of the world. You're camping out in truth. It's the Word of God. You don't need opinions, guys. You don't need your friend to tell you what they think. You don't need a piece of someone's mind. I'll, you know, well, let me give you my opinion. Well, I'd like to give you some advice on that, brother. Man, if, you know, I don't even like that whole advice thing. I'd like to give you the, the word on this. I believe this is the heart of God because I see it in Jesus' life. And I'll share it not to be right in somebody's life. I have no need to give you advice. I don't even want to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's the spirit of counsel. I don't want to give you a piece of my mind. I want to give you his. Do you know what I mean? Well, this, this is what I think. Well, brother, this is what I think. You have to be careful with that stuff. Well, this is what I think. I think you ought to, because a lot of people, what they think has been derived through what they've been through, and they've come up with an analogy to, to back up and comfort their misunderstood mind through whatever, and sometimes the interpretation of Scripture is nothing more than through the eye of how life has been. You have to be very careful in the church. Sometimes people call me, pastor could attest to this, do they ever call you and you're about the fourth in line? You're about the fourth in line and they tell you what everybody's been telling them in the church. Sometimes they make the mistake of telling you who they called because I don't even want to know that stuff. Because then you have to then you have to work that out of your soul. You know, be very careful to not just say, hey, so and so this and so and so that. And it's kind of cool because a lot of times they'll tell me, yeah, that's what Pastor Dan said. <laughs> Now we're on a good page right there because we're saying the same thing. But see, people will call and then they'll call somebody else and call somebody else and call somebody else. And you're feeling and groping and, and for stuff. But you have to be very careful. You're motivating that because you might grab what you want to hear. You might grab what you need to hear for your own flesh. You might grab the thing that's just easier to yield to and respond to. And, and isn't it amazing how you can call four people and get four totally different responses? 
don't, don't, don't take offense in this. I don't even want to put you in this position. I, there's only a few people in my life, if I needed to call for something, that I would even call anyway. I'm seeking God. If I, if I need to get something clarified, if I need, I'm seeking God. I'm not beyond counsel. I'm not beyond you cheer me on and affirming something. But I'm not just going to just put you in the position to say, hey, what do you think? This and this and this. I, don't, I wouldn't even do that. I'd actually want to know in God, is there somebody I should call because there might be somebody that knows exactly where I'm at and what I and he just might want them to speak into my life. But I'm not just going to randomly just start reaching out and asking, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I don't think that's that's a good thing. It's that's not it hasn't been a healthy experience in my life for people. For people. And and yeah, like like I had somebody the other day, they went to a church. And the pastor, it doesn't matter where, and none of you will discern where because you don't need to know, and God won't let you know. But this guy goes to a church, and the pastor, he's talking to the pastor. When he left, the pastor said to the guy's friend who invited him to his church, he said, boy, you're, the pastor said, boy, your friend's really arrogant. The friend went back and told the guy, well, my pastor said you were arrogant. And he also said he has a discerning of spirits, and you're carrying this and this and such a spirit. And, and the friend that told me this said, you know, my heart grieves over that because I know my heart. I, I, it wasn't about arrogant. I just didn't. I just encouraged him in a thought in the scripture. He just took it as arrogant. I don't. I asked the Lord, is there any way I was arrogant? But here's my point. It's not about debating was he or wasn't he arrogant. Is he in denial? Whatever. The pastor telling a congregation member is just like a Christian telling a Christian. Boy, they're really arrogant. And putting that in her soul, right? And then saying, in fact, you know, you know how I see things, Gene? Yeah. Well, this is what I saw over them. Really? Well, how's that help them? That just marks them and get, puts us on some spiritual trip at their expense. So if you saw something over them, cast the thing off of them. Deal with it. Love them enough to pull them aside and, and yeah. do something. Don't just go tell four people what you saw over somebody. Because now they have to deal with that knowledge. And every time they hear their name, they have to struggle with how they see that person. And then we wonder where God's power is and why we're not growing more. And, all that. and we give ourselves to this stuff as if it's just common every day the way it is. Man, you run from that stuff. That stuff doesn't fly with me. You don't want to be doing that. And that's a pastor who people are respecting. God forbid that I walk up to Phyllis and say, man, Phyllis, your, your, your girlfriend, that girl you brought to church, man, she needs to get a revelation. She's got some serious issues. I mean, she's got a lot of pride in her heart. In fact, I saw a demonic spirit hovering over her. If Phyllis respects me and Phyllis thinks I'm a man of God, she's, she's going, what? Oh, my God. And she has a relationship with the person. That's, that's not, I'm not saying I saw an evil spirit over. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. To put that in, and then now you're, now you're and then she said, Phyllis, why have you been acting so weird lately? Last three times you went to breakfast, you're just looking at me strange and mumbling. What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> come over, come out right now. Come on, come on. Now you can't even be a friend with a clear conscience because of what I put in you. 
I just promise you, if I thought I saw something like that over your life, out of love for you, I would pull you so far away from the rest of the world. And I would love on you and talk to you and I'd encourage you in some thoughts and I would weigh that out. I wouldn't even tell you what I saw. I would weigh that out and just minister and talk and see where it goes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make much of that. And, and if I didn't have the authority or anointing to see that thing delivered in your life, God forbid that that just become your story and, and then you have need to, See, we have to be careful with this stuff and counsel and quick peace of mind. And this is what I think behind the scenes stuff. Because a lot of this, guys, we're doing because we're drawing some false sense of identity and value out of it. It's making us feel spiritual at the cost of things. Get what I'm saying? Now watch this. Now I know you're here in the school because you guys obviously respect my life and my heart. You don't hear me talking a whole lot about spiritual things in my life personally, manifestations, visions, things I see on people. You don't hear me talking about my personal spiritual experiences, do you? Hardly ever. But yet you're at this school because you must see something that makes you feel like I have those things. See, it's not about those things and how they look in my life. It's, it's, it's the foundation that those things flow from that we're all hungry after, right? So by me not doing that, it reveals that there's a security in that I'm equipped, qualified, and I'm in him. I don't have to bear witness of that. Paul said, it's not ourselves we preach. It's Christ. Do you get it? You all good? We're going to read this after we take a break. Bless you. Take a break. I'm already on? You're on. Whoa. Did you turn me on while I was talking? I must have been into my conversation. You were in my back pocket. I didn't even know it. Oh, okay. My money's on this side. He wouldn't pickpocket me, Justin. He'd say, I was just practicing. You guys in 1 Corinthians? Verse 30? Okay, this came up yesterday, okay? I think it was Sharon. The, uh, yeah. Who's our wisdom? Jesus is the wisdom of God. We're going to look at it, okay? Now, when you find scriptures like this in your Bible, oh my goodness. Don't like just frame them and put them on your wall. Frame them and put them in your heart. Okay? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. This is amazing. Well, let's just, let's just read. Let's just read. The Word of God's amazing. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach because there's something we gotta get to. I know you don't believe that until I do it anymore. But that's okay. I understand that. I can handle that. I don't see that as judgment. I've given you the right to think that way. <laughs> I understand that. But I'm purposing now just to read. But I want you to hear this whole chapter in context. So let's just read. You ready? First Corinthians chapter one. It's a lot of scripture, but we're just gonna read. So it's okay. Be just like if you're at home, just in the Word. Paul called to be an apostle of, of Jesus Christ through the will of God. That's secure. And Sothenes and, and our brother. To the church of God, which is, is, is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all 
who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. This is so cool. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, there's so much there that's hard not to preach. Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions Some Bibles say schisms, probably no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. That's a big deal. You might not totally see eye to eye on everything scripturally, doctrinally in our lives. But I'll tell you what, we can see our identity, the purpose of Christ coming, the reason he sent his son. There's some things that we can see that are so foundational that we need to begin to agree on. Look, you can believe it's God's will to heal everybody. And I could believe that it's not. I reversed that because I believe it is. But I just reversed that. (laughs) And we can still wake up in the same Faith, the faith that I'm created in God's image and I'm born again to be restored back to his image and become love and manifest the heart of God to the world around me. I can believe that is the whole reason I'm saved and still might not be sure it's God's will to heal everybody. That doesn't make me different than the person that says it's God's will to heal everybody because we're all still living for the same reason. Does that make sense? I feel that makes sense to about half the people. Who doesn't that make sense to? You know, okay, I, I feel that in the room. It actually feels like a, a bunch of people. What's it mean by the faith? The Bible talks about the faith. The faith. What's the good fight of faith? Is that spiritual warfare? No, it's maintaining the identity you've received through Christ. The faith The faith is the reason we're born again. Come on. Righteousness. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. We're his sons and daughters. We're created in his image. He saved us to redeem us back to original value. And we're to call bear. We're called to bear witness to his image. We're the body of Christ. Now, we're the children of God. We're the people that represent the heart of God. We're saved to become love. Now watch, (laughs) now watch, that's the common Bible knowledge of the faith and all those things I just preached, some of us have never heard in your whole life going to church until whenever you heard it, whether it was preaching it here, Harvest Chapel, Neck Ministries, whatever. I have people tell me all the time, I feel like I heard the gospel for the first time. And all I'm preaching is the faith. 
Because we've made the faith all about demonic warfare, all about healing the sick, all about whether tongues is or isn't of God, and all this stuff. We've made all these aspects of the Christian life the thing that's divided us, and we haven't even preached clear why we're Christians. And we build all these camps and all this stuff, and we got 600 churches in your county, and a lot of it's not because they're called. I'm not saying who is and who isn't. It's just obvious that God, it's just obvious that God doesn't need 600 churches in your county. I know people don't like talking about this. That's a touchy one for people. That it's, it's obvious. Not every one of those churches can be ordained, called in the will of God. Sometimes they're only raised up because we can't agree. They only start up because we want to do. And then the trap is then is when you get out in that church, then you project on everybody else through what God's doing with you. See, we should have broke away because I never felt God like that where I used to go to church. That is judgment. That's putting that place down. That's you stare. That's pride. And you're telling me you're having a great move of God. No, your heart's deceived and bound in pride. Because you're just reflecting and pointing back. You think God's moving among you so you can reflect on another church and degrade another church? It's good we left there, brother. I'll tell you, I ain't felt the Holy Ghost like we just had this morning. You know, in the last six years over there in that dry bone. That stuff should make us cry. You shouldn't need to start another work to feel the presence of God anyway. He's already in you. I don't go to church to feel the presence of God. <laughs> Hello. Had a lady do it to me this weekend. She slid right up to me. And if you'd have heard the message I preached, it was it was beyond my understanding that she slid up to me and said what she said. And then I have to address all that stuff because I love people. And at the risk of hurting or offending or how they hear it. I shared, you, you just can't believe the message I shared. And at the end, I went and saw what was going on in the church. And I just laid out what was going on in the church and everybody went. And one person ran up crying and said, I was one of those five people. I've been spewing poison. I've been this and this and I have to make things right. And I'm going to pastor. I said, good girl. But another lady came up after all that and said, boy, the next day came right up to me. Boy, that was so anointed. I ain't felt the power of God in this church for years like that. Da, 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 da. And it was a projection on leadership. She was making sure I knew that, you know, she's saying the leadership's not where they should be and they're this and they're that. And she's going to church. No wonder she hasn't been feeling the presence of God. The only reason she felt the presence of God was because the topic I was talking about, God was speaking to her, but she was hearing the sermon for them. And then I have to deal with that stuff because I love people. I don't mean deal with it in a bad way. In other words, I address it then because God gives me wisdom. And all of a sudden you have to tell somebody, well, actually, honey, the reason you felt the presence of God because because of what you just said, God was actually speaking to you, not your leadership. And you're too busy hearing the message for your leadership because you have unresolved issues and God's speaking to your own heart and you can't hear because you're hearing for them, not you. And every time you come to church, you're hearing for your leadership. 
You know, you can go to church and listen to the sermon for your spouse. Or you can go listen for yourself and be a better spouse. Oops. Was that recorded? Good. Get the CD, baby. <laughs> Pass that one around the world. That was a word from the Lord. <laughs> Come on. You can hear the sermon for others. You can be sitting there and God could be speaking right to some in your life and you've got an unresolved issue or a belief that's less than edifying and you're thinking, boy, I hope Fred's listening right now. I hope he's over there and you're looking over and you're trying to get your eyes on, on Fred or, or Bill or Bob or George to see if they're, how they're responding because you're hearing the sermon for them. That means you're carrying judgments. If you're not carrying judgments, but you have an awareness that those things are prevalent in someone's life because I'm a pastor, so I'm involved in a lot of people's lives. So when I hear a certain sermon, I can't help sometimes but to hear that word speaking directly to certain people. And in my heart, there's a way you would respond if that would happen. God, so thank you for loving us to speak these things. You know the people in my heart right now. God, and I just thank you. And the only reason I'm thinking that is because of the conversations you understand. Yeah, you're so good. Thanks, I can intercede. That word going right in and blessing them and bringing life because you love them so much. And all of a sudden, it's a healthy, valued thing. I have to, how can you imagine how, if I wasn't clear in my conscience, my motive pure, how could I even stand up? How could Pastor Don stand up and preach in his home congregation when he's aware of so much? If your heart's not pure, if you're not walking in love, you'll just project. You'll use the pulpit to try to resolve issues. And that's actually sin. Like if you ever get a chance, I don't know why I'm on this right now, but if you get a chance to do a little Bible study or speak somewhere, don't try to speak into the people because of what you're aware of. Just preach Jesus and it'll all work out. Because it's projection. Get what I'm saying? Now, I can't help. Okay, say Dean comes to me this week and Justin comes to me and John comes to me and, we, and I talk to them through the week and they bear their heart. And some, one just talks about a conscience issue. One just talks about maybe a marital issue. One just talks about just, you know, a couple other things. Now I got all that this week in interaction with people. Now I'm preaching and they're all in the congregation. It's inevitable that something I'm preaching is going to directly connect to the very conversation. But the key is that I'm not even thinking that. And my heart's before God. And usually he totally blinds me from that so I'm not distracted. Because if I was anywhere not sincere in it, and I'm preaching and I'm looking at Dean, and I see Dean's face, and now I'm preaching it, then my mind's going to reel because I'm going to think, wow, am I just preaching that just because Dean just talked about that? And I'm now I'm, you know, da-da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? And it's not clean then. It could hurt Dean. Dean could think, oh my God, now he's exposing everyone. Yeah, he's talking. I know who he's talking to. 
Because, you know what I mean? Because just say I left him in faith and we weren't in total. Maybe he just said, well, look, I'll pray about it, Dan. I don't know. I just don't know how I feel in this. And now on Sunday, I can't be handcuffed to preach the gospel. But the key is I release all men to him. My heart's pure. I'm not even thinking about where everybody is. I just want to do what you want to do, God. Say what you want to say. And I find that I preach and say stuff. And then people come and say, were you talking to me? Because, man, I just talked to you two weeks ago and I haven't been here. And I just felt like, well, did you see me out there? Were you trying to and they'll, or they'll feel hurt or they'll feel this or that. And, and I can sincerely look them in the eyes and go, oh, my gosh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I didn't even realize sometimes I didn't even see a person's face. I remember one time I was doing that and the lady was sitting right like right here. <laughs> And it was at the end of the service, I realized she was sitting there. And I was like, Phew. and I went to her because I thought of it at the end and made sure she was okay. I would have never been able to preach what I preached if I saw her face first. That's how serious that is to my heart to not do that. That God actually made it like she wasn't there. Because he still needed to say what he wanted to say. But if I didn't look, saw her there, I would have felt handcuffed. Isn't that cool? God will do neat stuff when you're not trying to do a certain thing in that sense, like set things straight. Or I got a vision one night. I was I was woke up in the middle of the night. I don't dream because I'm not an old man. I woke up and he wakes me up. I woke up and and I got a vision of a lady and I saw her face and I saw exactly what she's going through in the depression and the different things and I saw what God wanted to do and what He was saying to her and. I went to church. I was so excited because I knew it was God. And I was I was like thinking, oh, man, we're going to start the service with a blast. I'm just going to call this lady out into the aisle, speak this stuff, prophesy. God's going to just shake her and rock her and whack her. And everybody will be like on page and then we'll just preach the gospel. Well, I get up to open up to preach and I just pouring out my heart and preaching and preaching and preaching. The lady is sitting right there, the second row. I walked past her walking up the aisle. I walked past her 20 times. I'm at the very end of the service. And I didn't know where God was taken. And I'm like, and, and I said, you know, I said right now. And I went, oh, my goodness. And I started to cry. I said, have you been sitting there the whole service? And she went, yeah. I saw you in a vision last night. God woke me up and showed me. And I was so excited when I came to church because I wanted to kick off the service with a blast. And, da, 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 and I, I wanted to find you and call you right out. I never saw you the whole time because there's something God wants to do right now because I had already preached the word. See, why am I saying this stuff? How's this helpful for the school? You're surrendered to him. You have no need to do or be anything to anybody but what he's saying and doing. You surrendered. You're yielded. I had zeal in my heart. It wasn't wrong to have that zeal. It wasn't wrong to feel that way. But in my heart, I don't ever want to miss God or project or be presumptuous. In my heart, I'm in relationship and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, keep me from that place. So what's he do? Totally erases the lady. And I never see her. A whole time. And then I shared what I saw. She's bawling uncontrollably. She stepped out. Bam. God took that thing off of her. And then it just went into a whole bunch of stuff. And it was just so sweet. But if I'd have did it in my zeal, it's kind of like David. He wanted to build a house for the Lord. And you know what God said to him if you read it in Samuel? He, he said, no, it's not for you to build. Did you know he said, but it's good that you have the desire? 
It's good you have the desire, David, but it's not for you to build. It's, it's for Solomon. You get the stuff prepared for your son. But he affirmed his desire. Hey, it's cool that you have the desire. I'm glad you want to do that for me. But that's not the highest best, and it, it's not going to be through you. But, man, it's cool you have the desire. It's almost like, Dan, it's cool you have the desire, and you're zealous, and you want to pull her out, and this and that. But you know what? I have a much better timing, so... <laughs> How sweet is that? Come on. Isn't that relationship, though? You say, no, that's just straight gifting God. No, there's relationship in that. There's relationship in that. Do you hear relationship in that? Yeah, I do. Okay, I said I wasn't going to preach. So you guys that knew I couldn't go the whole way through there, you were, you were right. You were right. I plead with you, brother. See, it just doesn't feel that great just to be right. That didn't do anything to be right, did it? It's being righteous that'll change your life, not being right. <laughs> being right doesn't mean a thing. So when you're right, you make somebody wrong. It's being righteous. Righteous makes nobody wrong. There's a big difference between the two. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. See, it was just too good to pass up. I had to speak on that. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfect perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. So if every one of us have the same mind to become love, then love will rule among us. And if there's issues that are self-centered, offended, oriented, if there's great injustice among us, if love is our foundation and we're rooted in ground in love, we'll deal with or handle everything or flow through everything with love. There'll be no division among us. We'll understand the heart of God through the whole thing. We'll understand certain disciplines, certain ways we correct one another, certain ways we do things. Why? Because we all understand why we're in this thing. And there's no self-serving, self-centered desire. We're one. We're the body of Christ and we're seeing through love. It's not, well, I don't feel, well, I don't think that's fair. Well, I think you should change your mind. Well, I think, well, how come? Well, Sister Sally didn't get it. And so a lot of times all that is is self-preference and stuff apart from truth, apart from love. Sometimes somebody did something and the person they did it against, you like that person or are close to that person. So the person that did it against them, you take personal interest in that. And, and all of a sudden you take it a little more to heart than you would the normal circumstance because of who they did it to. And now you're responding and then you don't realize that that has an edge to it because of your motive. You see, this stuff's important. The more we be rooted and grounded in love and come from the same mind, joined together and fitly, perfectly together like that, the more we'll respond from that steady place of love. Isn't that how God has to function? Come on, He is love. It's not what He does. So this is just important. Together, same mind, same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, that, that those of, 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 how do you say that? Chloe, Chloe, oh, Chloe's house. That there are contentions among you. Where? No way. Now I say this. Each of you says, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am Cephas. I am Christ. See how we got 600 churches? Is Christ divided? <laughs> no, I'm not naming how many and which ones are and aren't. That's not for you and me to decide. It's just obvious in the big picture that something happened. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? 
I thank God that I baptized none of you, except it doesn't mean that he doesn't see the value of baptism. It's because of the way people handled baptism. And, and he's glad he didn't baptize a whole bunch of people because he'd had just a big camp of Paulamites and they'd all thought they were more baptized than the people that Apollos baptized. They'd have thought they were maybe more sanctified or they might have got at a lunch table and said, who baptized you? Oh, well, Paul baptized me. That's what people do. And that's what Paul's addressing. Come on, that's twisted. Can you hear how twisted that is? But isn't it amazing that sometimes that stuff matters and seems that way and you can find yourself projecting on it. It's just as you know, you never fasted 40 days? Well, I fasted 40 days. You ought to fast 40 days. That kind of conversation needs to stop in the church. If you understand love, you'll never talk like that, ever. That's why we're talking about love. Well, I fasted 21 days. Yeah, I went, I went 24 once, but then I came off. <laughs> And then the fourth person listening and acted like they weren't even caring because they're reading a book says, yeah, man, I'll never forget when I went on that 45 day or man, that was man, that was a, it just, and it just goes on and on. You gotta be careful. I was fasting once. And the Lord said, if you fast past today, it's for nothing. I was so locked in. I didn't even feel like I was fasting. I was so psychological locked in. I was so ready. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't weak. I wasn't nothing. I don't get a whole lot that anyway because I fasted a bunch over the years. But I was like, I was going to never, never land. I was going to reach a point I had never reached. I was going out there, right? Because for years, February, the month of February, I would just shut down and fast as long as I felt like it with no cutoff point if it was the whole month great but I didn't have any but I would just go for it but this time I so I had that in my, my background and I thought I'm going for it and on the point that I had never been on that day I'm in my bathroom and that's what the Lord said out of the blue to me if you go past today it's for nothing and I was like what but why what and he said because you lost sight of what you're doing he said, and it'll be for nothing. And I said, but Lord, he said, the fact that you would but Lord. That's what he said. I bawled. He said, the fact that you would but Lord shows exactly where you are, Dan. And I was so done by then. I was there when the butt. I still don't have a butt in me from to that day because it blew all the butts out of me. But here's what he showed me. I was bawling so hard in the bathroom. I ran down, I ran down and diluted tomato juice and came off the fast instantly. Immediately, just to obey, I was so convicted. And then I started bawling. I walked back up the bathroom, closed the door, and I'm bawling like a baby. And I'm just sitting there because I know he's going to come wrap his arm around me and father me. Because I was bawling. Because he said, the fact that you would butt me, I was like... <laughs> That's what I did. You have no idea. I, I was done, man. And then he come and he's like, now look, honey. Honey, come here. Look, I love you. I love you, but you don't see this. And he's like cuddling me. I was right on his lap. He said, if I don't bring these things to your attention, they're so subtle. He said, if it's about an amount of days you're fasting, 
Then you open your heart to pride and fallen into pride. And you're hearing that somebody else fasted this. And you might not even say it, but you might think in your mind, wow, well, I fasted. He said, when those things matter, you've lost sight of who you are and what you're doing and why. And he wouldn't have me do that. Now, why is he coming? Why is he coming and intervening and saving me like that? He loves me, but watch this. I totally know that and receive that. And I have talked to him so much about fathering me and not letting me get off track. And the ability of me to go into darkness and weakness on my own is obvious and evident to you. And it would be daily if you weren't the grace in my life. Come and father me. Don't let me get off track. I talk to him like this. Kick me in the butt if you have to because I know you love me. But don't let me get off the straight and narrow. I talk to him like that. He can correct me. He's the father and he loves me. He's not saying you dummy. He's not coming in and saying, what are you doing? Didn't I tell you not to do that? Oh, you make me so mad. Because we've been touched that way in correction all our lives. We're afraid to just give him total access to our lives and trust that he's a father. He's a good God. He has saved me. In those kind of situations, a whole bunch of times where if he wouldn't have spoke, I would have been deceived and I'd have a resume of deception. There's people that do those long fasts and then they get caught in those things and it takes them in weird places and ministries might even fall because of it. Because of where it ends up leading, the pride and what it goes from this to this and the way the stone skips and ripples and now you got more. You know how things work. Why does that stuff happen? I'm convinced in my heart that the more we get alone with him and give ourselves to him and let him father us and ask him to father us and give him total access to our life. My life is not my own. I'm on the earth for your glory. I'm on the earth for your image. I'm not in works. I'm in you. Your grace is able to take me where you desire. If I'm in one bit in the flesh, one bit off track, one bit in the wisdom of man, I thank you. You'll father me in this thing and reveal the truth to me in every circumstance and situation. I talk like that. I pray like that. It's very important to share that with you if we're talking about revelation and knowing Him. And You see what I mean? Very important to ask Him to father you. Thank you, you're my father. Every time you call Him your father, what are you saying? I'm your child. (laughs) Father means come forth from. Every time I call Him father, I'm saying, I came forth from you. Your DNA is in me. I look just like you. I can see me in you, or is it you in me? You know, people say, you look just like your dad. (laughs) See, it doesn't even matter how much you say, I don't look like my dad. And you weigh your life introspectively and negatively. He's your dad. You ought to look deeper. You look just like your dad. You can't change that. So why not walk in it? You get it? Come on. I know I feel a little flaky right now. I don't know how I look or act to you. I hope I'm making sense, but I sure feel like he's my dad. I don't know about you, but I am so glad I didn't finish that fast. You know, if you're really scared, you walk in one. Yeah. <laughs>
No, the, the, that's, that's funny. That's funny. He said, if I was really spiritual, I'd have picked a longer month. February. <laughs> that was too funny. No, it's actually the February thing. That's so cool. Man. The February thing is a timing thing for my life and schedule. Because, you know, actually there's a sacrifice when you do long fasts, when you're traveling and certain things and different. And there was just a reason it was February. So, <laughs> that is so good. That's too good. What made you even think that, brother? Would you stretch your hands? We're going to pray. No, that was funny. I like that. He said that's so funny. That was... I'm thinking, yeah. But really, really, think if he wouldn't intervene. I might still be fasting and think I'm God himself. (laughs) I might still be on the fast. Walking high above you. Oh, hi, Brian. (laughs) Yell a little louder. I can't hear you. (laughs) Come up hither. (laughs) If he wouldn't have adjusted me, who knows what might have happened. I might have swelled up and popped. (laughs) Okay. Come on, everybody stop. Help me. Stop. Because I am already in trouble. I've been in trouble. He's thanking God he baptized none of them because of the way they were acting, not because he didn't see the power and beauty of baptism. Because he saw what was happening. Look, he qualifies. At least any of you should say that I had baptized in my own name. In other words, I was baptized into Paul or with Paul by Paul. You know? Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Isn't that a powerful phrase? But the manifestation of life, or the demonstration of power, that all, it's all inclusive. It's, it's the fruit of your life. It's not the wisdom of words. And watch, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. This means a whole lot. I don't have time to teach this out. It's not really prevalent to where we're to go today, but it's powerful. To those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So to the lost, it's foolish. It's like whatever. I will destroy. Now watch what he's saying. He's talking about a wisdom that's on the earth. He's talking about the mindset of men. It happens to be the way that seems right to a man. Okay? Watch. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Question mark. Where is the scribe? Question mark. Where is the disputer of this age? Question mark. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? See, that's to make so total sense to us now when he's writing this. Because the wisdoms of the world and the world's ways are so no longer our ways. We've been renewed in the spirit of our mind. We've been redeemed. We're seeing through Christ. We're, we're no longer feeling unworthy because the gospel says we're worthy. Wisdom has shifted the way it used to 
to be. It is no more. You say, but I say. You say, but I say. It's all through Matthew in chapter 6. You say, but I say. He came and changed the language. He changed the wisdom. Do you get it? So he's, he's expecting us to see the truth through Christ. Watch this. He made foolish the wisdom of this world. He made it foolish. Man, you can get alone. Watch this. Oh, gosh. I'm going to just do something here. You can get alone and say, Father, I thank you. It is foolish to fear because you're the Lord God. It is foolish to worry because you are faithful. And if you sent your son to die for me, if you sent your son to raise me from the dead and put life in me, why would I worry if you're the almighty God? Because it's not about just me anymore. It's about you in me and you through me. And my life is not my own. It is foolish to live in worry and fear. Foolish to live in strife and stress because your love is what I've become. That's the way we're called to pray. We don't pray like that. We haven't even been taught to pray like that. We just pray about trouble and what's wrong and how cruddy we feel and hoping God changes that. And I read something like this and it's meditating in the word. Meditating means to muse and mutter and, and repeat and, and now meditate you can see is a quiet sometimes it's that way sometimes it's very aggressive with me right now I feel very aggressive because you know what it's foolish for me to think the way I used to think it would be foolish for me God to be offended now that love has come you weren't offended in me how could I be offended in any man God when I didn't know what I was doing you love me people don't know what they're doing or they wouldn't do what they do I love the world around me God I see the value of people because you showed me the value of my life that's prayer you walk in your bedroom and you just pray like that and you just speak that and it sounds like you're the only one talking Angelo but I'll tell you what's happening inside of you it's becoming alive grace is touching it Holy Spirit's making it your reality and somewhere in the process your eyes getting converted and the way you see is changing and you cannot come out of the bedroom the same You might not feel any different. You might not know you changed. You might not. But you'll start seeing things different. Responding different. You'll get thrown into a fire. But because you pursued the gospel in truth. In the secret place. When the fire rises. The gospel's there to defend you. If you wait for the fire. And then try to run to the gospel. You're late. And that's why we lose so many. So many, so many, so many battles. Okay? Forgive my excitement. I, I, oh, I feel excited about this. This is powerful. Where Has not God... It's a question. Has God, not God made foolish the wisdom of this world when He sent His Son and showed us what truth really looks like? He came to His own and His own received Him. The world was created through him and the world knew him not. Why? Because of perversion, the perversion of the fall. Man's eye and perspective got totally contorted, twisted and perverted. And it turned inward, self-centered and deceived. The gospel, 180, totally changed. Has he not? Has he not made foolish the wisdom that you and I lived by? Yeah. Right? 
How does that become real to you? By knowing it in your head and reading it in your Bible? Or coming into agreement with it and exchanging it out of your heart, you believe, but out of your mouth you make confession. And all of a sudden you connect the two in a place of secret prayer. Holy Spirit's there, faith's there. You're accepting that. You're laying down your rights by saying, wow, all these things, worry and fear, and I don't even reserve the right for this. Natural knowledge has no place in me. The wisdom of God reigns in my life. Holy Spirit, thank you for the revelation of these things. And as you're praying them, grace is making it your reality. Does this make sense? It's such a big deal. And you're going to see how much of a big deal this is. It's just going to get bigger. For since in the wisdom of God, watch this. Oh, my goodness. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. So in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. So through the fall, God leaves this period of time go called the Old Testament, Old Covenant, Law of Sin and Death. There's a whole lot there to see and learn and understand. And in the wisdom of God, we can look and see that through human wisdom, the world couldn't know God. They actually thought everything that happened was God. They had a terrible revelation of God. They were very sin conscious, very self conscious. Right? Watch. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Humility, right in the face of human pride, takes humility, not false humility. Humility to be born. I love. I love that he calls this the word of God and asks me to believe it because it just chops to pieces every other opinion and mindset that would otherwise try to rule my life. It causes me. It almost forces me, if you will. I don't mind talking like this. It almost forces me to call everything else not true. And embrace this. It, it, it's such a sanctifying thought to me. And, and, in, and the wisdom of man and the pride of man, still in the quest for knowledge, making his mind God and a God unto himself, says, well, men just wrote this. Well, I can't believe everything in that book. All you're saying is I want to still be in charge. I want the wisdom I live by to still be the wisdom that rules. I'm still a God unto myself. It's powerful. I love that God handed us this and said, it's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, that it wasn't penned by men, but men inspired by Holy Spirit. I believe that. The wisdom of the world says, well, brother, come on. The boss says, don't read that all the time. You'll get too narrow-minded. Remember yesterday? What a revelation he had. I'm really concerned for you, Dan. All you ever read is the Bible. You're going to be so narrow-minded. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> My eyes single? Light. Light. It doesn't say if your eyes single, your body's flooded with light, unless, of course, you're faced with many issues and challenges. If your eyes single, you're flooded with light because you'll see all your issues and challenges through that light, and that light is truth. It's never about you. It's never about just you. It's about manifesting Christ in every situation. Even when it involves family, loved ones, it's always about the integrity of who he is in the face of every situation. 
Even when it feels like you lose, your response is a sign of integrity and trust to God and and worthiness to God and all that stuff. Even when you lose, even when it feels like you lose, the bottom line, a Christian can't ever lose. Oh, there might be some temporal physical things that slip by early. People slip away on us. We tend to lose some battles in the natural. I understand. But if you really understand the big picture and the window of this little wisp and vapor of a life that we have, you'll realize you can't lose when you're in Christ Jesus. And you'll thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that's preserved your loved one for eternity. And that'll be bigger. That'll start growing bigger than the fact that they left early. Come on. Or you put all your marbles down now. And the fact that they left early is devastating you. And now you're unproductive because you're grieved beyond measure. And you can't even function because of the natural reality of this. And even where was God and how? How could I ever trust again? And you put all your marbles on this natural little window called life. When this little window is a privilege to reveal the integrity of your love for him and who he really is and why. Come on, that'll help you if you'll grab that. I share testimony of Thurman Scrivener all the time. I don't know who knows who he is. Texas. I'm not sure why people don't know more about him. I sat and watched him. He stood. He's Thurman Scrivener. He stood this far from me in a service. I sat for three hours. He talked about faith and knowing God. And I sat there like this. And I thought it was 15 minutes. I didn't even I lost track of time. Story after story and things. And he had all these pictures of his granddaughter. She didn't even look like a human being. She didn't even look like he had all these pictures of his granddaughter. It didn't even look like a human being on life support and stuff. It looked like it looked like ground meat. Head on collision, 70 mile an hour, poof, no brakes. And all the shards and metal and all that stuff just shoof, severed her brain. Brain dead. And you couldn't tell. Honestly, guys, you couldn't tell it was a little girl or a person, let alone a little girl. And God restored her with no scars. No brain damage, not blind. But in the process, his wife and daughter in that accident, that was his granddaughter, his wife and daughter got dismembered and instantly killed in that car wreck. Now, if you don't have an integrity and understanding toward who God is in the midst of a calamity like that, you're in no position to see the miraculous like that through your granddaughter. But because of the extreme integrity in the midst of a horrendous calamity like that, there's a power that we, most of us, have yet to see. Because he stood there and chuckled when they unplugged life support because he told them she's not going to die. And they said, you need to face reality. She has to die. And he said, you probably all go to church, don't you? And they all admitted to going to church, the medical staff. He said, well, that's a shame because you don't believe this book. So pull the plug. And when they pulled it, she breathed and coughed. And they said, oh, my God, I don't believe this. And all their medical heads, the wisdom. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He said, isn't that amazing? Now God's moving right in front of you and you still don't believe. He said, I'm taking her out of your care. And he signed her out of the hospital, brain, severed brainstem, blind, and a vegetable. But now she's breathing coughing. He took her home. Signed her out of the hospital and took her home. Said she's no longer under your care. See, that kind of stuff we don't understand. But if he sees that, then the fruit will be there to be seen. 
took her home and sat her up in bed, called her by name. You will sit up. You have to sit up because of the kingdom of God. You must sit up. And she'd fall back on the bed like a, like a dummy, like a, like a fake. He'd just sit her back up. And the third time she just sat. This is the stuff you can't barely even tell. The only reason he can tell it is because of the results. He stands her out of bed. I, I, I nowhere near this if it's another person's life and a child, but he understood he was in authority. And he wasn't doing it to try to prove the gospel. He was doing it because he believes the gospel. He took her out of bed and stood her. When I heard his testimony before I went to see him, I pulled the car off the road and cried and, and really felt like I wasn't saved. Now, I'm not saying that in a condemning way. It was like, God, I want you so much. It wasn't that bad thing. Like, I'm not even born again. I just felt like I was so far from where I'm called, that it made me like God reach. He took her and stood her and commanded her to stand. You have to stand because Jesus is Lord. And he let her go and didn't catch her. And she just took her back up and stood her. And like the third time or so, she's just standing there. And he kept on. And then she began to talk and everything. And the last thing was her eyes opened. And there was a feed tube she was on for 10 months. And he went in the bedroom and said, why, Lord, I need you to father me on this. Why isn't she off that thing yet? I've seen you do all these miracles and take all these things away in the face of all these doctors and glorify your name and show your great love for us. Why? What am I missing? Because it says, whatever I ask believing, it shall be done. What am I missing in my belief system on this? Where am I not seeing clear? Why isn't that thing working? And why aren't we off this feed tube in 10 months? Because that scripture doesn't take 10 months for you to manifest. It's with me. It's something I'm not seeing. And the Lord said, well, Thurman, you've believed everything I've said up to now until that. And you believe when he said, if you feed her, she'll die. You took it to heart and you suffered her for 10 Ten months on the feet too. That's what he heard in the bedroom. And he went, Duh! I didn't believe one thing they said this whole time. But when they said that, I took it to heart. And I'm waiting for her to be healed. Duh! He ran out and he said, Honey, I got good news. She's like three and a half, four years old. I have such good news. See, I'm not telling you to ever do this. He saw this. He said he had jello and juice and he sits it on the table. He said, I have such good news today. You're going to get to eat. Oh, forgive grandpa. He's been suffering you for 10 months. He's all excited because I believed what they said and not what God said. Oh my goodness. It's a good day. She said, but grandpa, uh, she, she said, you can eat it, honey. It's okay. Just eat it. She Here, I'll go get you some more. She ate, she was eating two, three weeks, two weeks went by. It was two weeks. She had to go back for her regular exam, quarterly, whatever. And the doctor said, oh, my goodness, whatever that flap is, that covers your esophagus and your windpipe. It's working. Oh, my goodness, it's working. She can eat now. She's restored. We can get her off the feed tube. She can eat now. You can feed her solid foods. It's totally working. He said, doctor, I've been feeding her solid food for two weeks. He said, what? You're crazy. You could have killed her. He said, the only thing that makes me crazy is I took to heart your medical knowledge and stuffed the knowledge of God. 
And I suffered her for 10 months. I suffered her because I believed and took to heart what you said would happen in the natural. And I stopped the power of God. You have to hear that in a, in a right ear where you're not, you don't take your child to see if it works and find faith. That's how you'll kill somebody. But he saw that. He grew in a place where he, but here's, let me tell you the whole reason I told you that story. When he was at church guest ministering. So just imagine right here, he's the guest minister. A police officer came in the side door. This is an amazing story. It made me cry and cry and cry. And here's what I said. God, you have to work that in me. That is so integral. I want that in my life. I want that kind of eternal vision. And God, what an honor to meet a man that could live that way. And I see it's so possible it would be Jesus. And I've prayed about it. I honestly believe I'm in that place right now. Police officer came to the door, summoned the pastor. He's up preaching. Guest minister. Pastor stops everything and calls him. He comes over. Yes, sir. Is everything okay? Are you so-and-so? Yes, I am. Do you know so-and-so? Well, that's my wife and daughter. Is everything okay? Well, there's been a very, very terrible, violent accident. And your wife and your daughter are deceased. In fact, they, they were dismembered and... And it, it was instant, and they never knew what happened. And he said, what about my granddaughter? She's in Cook's Medical Center. They don't think she'll live very long. He said, officer, thank you for doing the difficult thing you do, telling people, families, thank you for coming or bringing me this news and doing what you needed to do. He ran up on the platform. This is amazing. He said, worship team, could you come forward, please? He said, pianist, I need you to something about Jesus's blood. People, I need you to stand to your feet with me. He said he had no ability to cry. None. Now, that's not to make us feel bad if we would cry. It's to show you how consumed you can be with an eternal revelation that you cannot lose. That doesn't mean he never missed his wife. That doesn't mean he never cried on his daughter's birthday. When it came around and she wasn't there to give a present. It doesn't mean that at some point he didn't shed a tear. But at the time, here's what he did. This is what he did spontaneously. He didn't go, what? Oh, my God. Ah, like we probably all would have. Here's what he did. I want you to all stand to your feet, congregation, please. This officer just came and told me the news that my wife and my daughter were just in a very violent car accident and they were both deceased. And my granddaughter's now in Cook's Medical Center. What I would love to do, if you could please... Let's worship Jesus and honor him for his precious holy blood that has received my wife and my daughter into his presence for all eternity. Could we stand to our feet and honor the king of kings and the Lord of lords? I worship you for your blood and I thank you for preserving my family forever because of your sacrifice. Not, I thought you loved me. How could you take my wife? How could you let this happen to me? I love my wife and daughter. What are you doing? Ah! God doesn't give us the gifts of life to covet them at the cost of him. Having a child is a gift. Having a spouse is a gift. It's, a, it's, it's ordained. It's a gift. But believing the blood in eternity is where you live from. Doesn't mean we don't fight to win. 
But when a tragedy happens, where is our soul and understanding? When you get a phone call that you never, ever thought you'd get or wanted to get, where is your revelation, your faith and the foundation from which you live? Because that determines how well you'll do and how you'll do, period. This is heavy. You hear how quiet it is? It's not wrong to cry. But it's deceived to be overcome with the wisdom of the world. And make it all about you at the cost of who he is and start judging him in the face of the loss. Instead of upholding him because nothing's truly lost only for a while. This brief moment of light affliction. That's what Paul called it. We haven't seen anything Paul went through. We read about it in shudder. He called it a brief moment of light affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory to be revealed when he comes. <laughs> you feel that? Faith will take you there. If I didn't have that experience with Thurman and that testimony, when I got when I got the news, my wife was on life support with severe brain damage, I probably would have reacted. I had no ability to react. I was just as peaceful as I am standing here right now. Because I can't see that. I can only see this. I know in my heart we can't even lose. That doesn't mean I'm not going to fight and let her slip away. But I do know in my heart we can't lose. <laughs> do, you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. So it's not about living dying. It's not about, oh, my God, she can't die. It's not about fighting. I already know we can't lose. But I understand he paid a price to redeem life and restore life and fulfill his will in every way. But death and the fear of death is not my motivation. It's life and the promise of life. Because through Christ, even in the face of death, we can't lose because of his blood. Come on, it's good to talk about this stuff. It's rarely talked about this kind of stuff because these are the wrong understandings and the motives that are in our life for the lack of understanding where the wisdom of the world just eats us to pieces. And we have good hearts and we want to do right and we're seeking God and then tragedy hits and if we don't see clear, we will mishandle and, and respond wrongly in a detrimental way. And you can lose years of productivity in your heart, your mind, and your life. You could suffer yourself for years. You could, you could sit under Pam and them. They're singing all these incredible songs and you're just trying to play the part, but your heart's spinning and your mind's reeling because of your wrong perspective and you're just suffering through every worship song, challenging God with every word. Well, if you were so amazing, where's my girl? Well, if you were so amazing, where's my husband? Well, if you were so amazing, where's my child? And that will go through your mind over and over if you don't lay this thing out now and let a foundation of faith come. Every trial will touch you wrong. Even just circumstances. Just a furnace blowing in the same week your car going out. All of a sudden, you know, there's enough to just... If you don't have a clear view. You can't lose. It's never even about death, guys. You all okay? Yeah. Okay, I felt like I got sidetracked, but I don't think I did.
I think that was good. This is very important. Because he's the author and giver of life and he gave Jesus Christ. And we're privileged to grow in a revelation. Some of us wonder where the power of God is. I think, I think that's a pretty easy question to answer, actually. He said, don't fear and don't worry. It's the first two things we call normal. No wonder we don't manifest the power that we could because we don't have a clue yet who we are through him. We, we just put it all on him. Well, if he's amazing, why doesn't he heal? If he's amazing, we're the body of Christ. He gave the earth to the children of men. He wants to reveal his wisdom through us. His intent is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be revealed to the powers and principalities. Ephesians 3. You get it? So we're not waiting on God. We're privileged with the kingdom. He's waiting on us. Very patiently because he's love. He's not tolerating us. He loves us. But I'll tell you what, there's honestly a whole lot of loss in the midst, in the natural. We need to rejoice and know we can't lose. That'll actually cause us to grow so much leaps and bounds because if we're just still trying to get through the natural loss and that's still the pain of our heart, how are we ever even going to get to him? If we don't make this shift of who we are and why and settle in our heart that you can't lose. It's like on birthdays or holidays or anniversaries and that chair is empty. And, and, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but this is what happens. Natural knowledge, the wisdom of the world that he made foolish rules our life. And, and, and for two weeks, we're nervous and upset because that day's coming. And we already know they're not there because we miss them every day. It's real. And now we know there's going to be family over and everybody's going to be laughing and shouting and they're not going to be there. And they're the one that used to laugh the most or cut this joke and everybody loved. And now their chair's empty. It's real. And now we're just trying to eat and be okay. And then nobody's okay because we're just trying to be okay. And we're even afraid to mention Billy because we don't want to make everybody cry. And we're all trying to ignore it, but we can't because it's prevalent. And that's when all that needs to happen is one person that believes lift up their voice. Listen, guys, we're ready to sit down and eat. Listen, I want you guys to be straight with me and let me talk straight. Billy's chair is empty, and we all know why, and we're all thinking about it. Let's not be afraid. No, no, it's okay, Aunt Milla. It's Mil Aunt Milla, it's okay. Just hear where I'm going. Let's, let's stop trying to act like it didn't happen when we can't. And let's do something we all need to do. Let's all lift our heart and our hands to the Lord Jesus Christ and thank him for his precious blood that has Billy preserved forever and ever and ever. And let's thank God for the day he was born, that he was our son, our brother, our, our nephew, our uncle. And let's praise God and honor God for the life of Billy. Was it way too soon? Absolutely. Do we understand everything about it? Not at all. But we know one thing. God is good and he sent his son to preserve Billy's life forever. God did not take Billy, but he sure did receive him. So let's lift our hands and thank Almighty God for Billy. And then we'll sit down and eat with joy because we know we haven't lost. Even though we've lost some time with Billy, we surely haven't lost. That's the wisdom of God. Anything else will sell you short of grace. You all right? Come on, you can hear that's crackly clear. And somebody just by faith needs to speak up or we're just trying to live this thing out. I don't know what we do. <laughs> we fail to live by faith is what we do. Sometimes we try to stuff natural reality and think that's spiritual. No, you have to face natural reality through spiritual truth. Okay?
You all good? Okay. Where's the scribe? Where's... For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, Greeks after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews it stumbles them. To the Greeks, utter foolishness. Right? But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. That's funny. The weakness of God, I never even totally understood that. The weakness of God is stronger than men. It's, it's more of a paraphor, I believe. But watch this. Now, verse 26, this is cool. Men, we're all in. Watch. For you see your calling, brethren. He's not putting this down. He's saying this is amazing. You see your calling that not many are wise according to the flesh. There's not many among you that are mighty and noble men <laughs> that are called. He's just called everyday, ordinary people that actually feel like they have more issues and more problems than God could ever even you know, consider them because of all this stuff. And yet we're all called. And there's no mighty and noble. We don't come in mighty and noble. We didn't come in really high educated and millionaires and prestige and variety in the community. And there's not a lot of us that have that testimony. We're just everyday people. But we're here and the Spirit of God's in us, right? But God chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And there's actually a war there between pride and humility that humility always wins. And there's something there we could teach out. I don't have time. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing that which is uh, that is. Sounds like a 180 taking place here. It sounds like God is reverting and changing things back to original, right? That no flesh, why is this? That no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him. This is the verse we turn to. I read the whole chapter. I felt it was important. I didn't even know why I was reading the whole chapter. I am so glad I did. I don't know. This isn't selfish, but I don't know if you got anything out of that, but I am so glad I read the chapter. Because I just feel sharper than before right now. I feel a little bit more tweaked. I feel good about it, okay? So watch this. But of Him. See, don't be in a hurry with your Bible. But of Him you are in Christ. Whose will is it that you're in Christ? Whose idea is it? Whose grace made it possible? So it has nothing to do with you. You didn't petition God. You didn't sign a petition. You didn't plea bargain with God. Of Him. Of Him. You didn't go and knock on His door and ask for mercy and say, please, please receive. Of Him. You were in His heart from the beginning. He predestined Christ before the foundation of the world to be slain because you were there with Him. You were with Him in the beginning. Oh. Of who? Of Him you're in Christ. So it's God's choice. None of this is our bright idea. That's why it's not presumption. Who became for us Wisdom from God. Isn't it amazing? The whole chapter was about the wisdom of the world and about another kind of wisdom. And now he's wrapping it up saying, Christ Jesus is now your wisdom. He's the new source of wisdom, the fresh source. He's always been that. But he's the conversion of your soul, the life of Jesus, who Jesus is. Jesus is now your wisdom. Any other way is not the way. You get it? Now watch. And righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That it is as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. 
Can you make yourself righteous? Can you bring your life back to its original value on your own? Can you set yourself apart from the world and guilt and the past and the things you were guilty of and be truly sanctified apart from the forgiveness and mercy of God? So when you receive these things, you honor Him all the more, you esteem Him all the more, because you can't even love Him unless He first loves you. When you receive these things, it's all a form of receiving His love. When you don't feel righteous and then you don't live righteous or accept righteousness, you're actually failing to receive God's love. No wonder you don't feel a lot of love for Him. Because you're not seeing the beauty of who he is. When I know that I can't make myself righteous, when I know that I've failed and can't make the things I've done wrong right, can you ever go back and change something you've done? But can the gospel? So who gets the glory? So he who glories, glory who? Gloried in who? In the Lord. So the gospel gives all glory to God and brings great humility to men. But here's the deal. When you read a verse like that in your life, now, we don't have much time, and, and, and that's probably good. That's just God blessing me, because I'll just, I'll just go step in and just watch this. Because I'm an intimate guy. I'm an alone kind of guy. And, 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 and then I'm a teacher as well. And I take what I live and what I'm alone, teach in principle. But the Lord wants me to model something this morning. I thought I was going to be doing it for about a half hour. Really, I did. I thought, God, I'm going to get lost. I was a little nervous in a sense, but I knew it was God because I know where that can go. And I thought, well, it'll just be, I guess you want a visual for people and they want to, you know. But here's what I want you to see. Ron said something way long ago. When I try to read and pray, my mind spins, etc. Don't just try to read and pray if that's happening to you apart from the word. Once you learn this, once you learn this today, you can do this anywhere, anytime with any section of scripture. You can open up a song and get into about three hours of incredible prayer just because the psalm is focusing you and inspiring you and making a draw on truth in your spirit. And as you read who God is in the psalm and read who we are and, and, all, and all of a sudden everything it's saying and meaning, you begin to back to him. And you can read a psalm like Psalm 91 and just come out of your bedroom so assured that he's God, so assured that you're safe, so assured that there's no such thing as fear, so assured that you don't have to watch your back because he does, so assured. Do you know what I'm saying? Because of meditating on the word, not just reading your Bible for knowledge. But reading your Bible to know Him and know who you are in Him. Here's what that looks like. So I'll say I'm in my bedroom and I'm reading, but of Him you are in Christ. Who became wisdom from God for me? Righteousness, sanctification, redemption. That is as it is written, He who glories, let Him glory in the Lord. I'm going to show you what I do when I'm all alone, what it means to me to meditate in the scripture, because I feel like God actually for a few weeks has been talking to me about teaching this to the body. It's something I don't teach to the body and I'm feeling like I'm supposed to. So you guys are are getting this first. Because people say all the time, but how's that become so real to you? But how do you see like I can tell you believe it. It's not just because I read my Bible. You have to believe, and that means something. That means expressing. That means letting it come out of your heart, getting in agreement, settling that if it's his idea, if it's his wisdom, if it's him that initiated this, it's got to be right. 
Do you get what I'm saying? So here's what I do. As I enter in to do this, I'm going to just forget you're here. And that's possible for a moment because there's grace that will let me do that. We're not just puppeting and giving you an example. I'm actually going to, this is going to come out of my heart to God. And and don't have much time. So if you need to get up and slip out, if it rolls past 12, you can if you have to go. And actually, when I'm finished, when this wraps up, you know how I give myself to everybody and I ask questions. Today, I have to just kind of roll out of here. So and I got to take John with me. So you're with me when I'm ready to roll. What I'm saying is I'm not going to take a whole lot of time at the end just to talk about stuff and questions. I normally do. I've been leaving one one thirty. You know, I'm, I'm here a long time after school. But today I really need to get home and catch up on some things. I got a snowball of phone calls and things. And I'm trying to work this new schedule with the school. And just because all morning when I'm home and in town, I usually make phone calls and I'm here. And when I go home, I usually have six or eight more on top of the ones that I'm not making. And I'm not sure how that's looking. So, well, I know how it's looking. I'm not sure how that's going to look. <laughs> I already know how it's looking. But I'm going to cut out of here as soon as we can, okay? So watch this. I'm in my bedroom. That no flesh, glory in His presence, but of Him. God, it is so your idea. It is so your heart to save me. I wasn't even thinking of you. I didn't even know I was lost. I didn't even understand any of this. You knew all the time. It's your idea. You sent Christ for me while I was yet a sinner. It's your idea that I'm saved. It's your will that I'm born again. It's your will that your spirit lives inside of me. Thank you. For this amazing love, thank you. Why wouldn't I want Almighty God on the inside of me? My life apart from you was nothing. My heart was wretched. I was frustrated. I was hurting everybody I said I loved because I didn't understand. Thank you for helping me see. Thank you for saving me through your son. You've become wisdom for me, Jesus. Your life, the way you handled things, the way you treated men, the way you continued to just heal no matter what, the way you didn't change your tune. You never let men determine who you were because who you are determines who men are. God, I thank you that you're the one that changes my life. My eyes are on you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the one that reveals Jesus to me. You reveal the message of his life. You make it my reality. You wouldn't be in my life if you didn't want to transform me into Christ. You didn't, wouldn't be in my life if you didn't want me to follow him profusely. You're in me and you're the hope of the glory of God. I surrender to you and I yield to you and I reveal that I don't want my own wisdom. I want your wisdom. Let the life of Jesus be clear to me. Let me see every aspect of it that you desire. I want to see the heart of God and the motive of God and understand love through Jesus's life. Because any other way I'm thinking isn't the way. And God, here I am and I surrender myself to you. And I just give myself to you and I yield myself to you. And I just thank you. I'm your son and I honor you. I have never seen such wisdom. I have never known such love. There is no one that could ever touch my heart like you touch me. I'm here righteous right now. You're not just wise and it's not just wisdom. I've been made right. I'm right with you. You'll never see me for sin. You'll never see me for fault. You'll never see me for failure. You'll only see me for what I'm called. 
called to and what you've predestined me to, what you made me to be from the beginning. God, I'm yours and you're mine. I'm home. Thanks for receiving me. I am so thankful, Lord God, for the redemption of this gospel. I am in the world, but I am so not of it. You have separated me out. I am not afraid. Never again will my heart fear. You're my helper. You're the one that loves me. You're faithful. There's no turning. There's no shadow in you. I know who you are. You don't keep me guessing. You don't make me wandering. I know who you are. The truth about you is established in my heart and fear has been driven out. Worry is a thing of the past. I've been made brand new. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the revelation. I thank you for making these things real to me. I am redeemed. It's as if I've never touched sin. It's as if I never lived one day of natural life. I am in the realm of the Spirit. I'm seated with you in heavenly places. You are surely my King. I am in the world. I'm not of the world. I'm not of selfishness and offense. I'm not of self-centered desire. You are making me a man of love. I say yes to you. I am truly a man of God by your grace, by your good pleasure. You are working an amazing thing in me. I like what you're doing. I like who I am. I like who I am in you. Keep moving in me. Keep forming me and molding me. And when I leave this room today and I look through this eye, I thank you. It's yours. I thank you. I see with the vision of God. Oh, I appreciate the 2010 vision that I have. But more than that, God, I thank you for the vision of God. I just thank you right now for loving me. And I just thank you. I am born again. I'll never die. I'll never be alone. I'll never be afraid. You have come and you never ever, ever will go away. That's what meditating on the scripture looks like. You get it? That's just an example. You read one verse, your mind, Ron, if you start doing this, no way will be distracted. No way. Wow. Okay, I'm not going to do... I was going to give you one more example in Psalms, but I'm not. I'm going to leave you with that. That's meditating in the Scripture. Watch this. It's one thing to read your Bible and see what it says. It's another thing by faith to turn your heart up and out of your heart. With your mouth make confession unto salvation and say yes to every yes of God. Holy Spirit meets you there. You have to understand that I'm saved 15 years. Don't you think, well, yeah, okay, so I got a long way to go. I got to be saved. I got to be. I've been doing that from the beginning. I don't even have to open my Bible to do that anymore. I can be driving in my truck and a scripture will come. God's speaking to me. A scripture will come and I'll just start meditating on it and declaring what it means and thanking God it's true. Do you see? I'm not asking for peace. I'm thanking him. I have it. I'm asking. I'm not asking him to not make me not afraid. I'm thanking him and bold enough to say, because the righteous are bold as a lion. It's not a false confession. It's not a hope so thing. I thank you that never again will I be subdued by fear. I thank you that never again will I just do, 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 do. why? Because truth has come and it's made me free. 
I'm not waiting for the day I don't feel afraid. That day has come and fear is driven out of my life by the gospel because wisdom has changed. And the only reason I was afraid is because of the wisdom I possessed. Wisdom has changed. (laughs) Do you get it? You don't have to leave that place and feel like you're different. Because I can tell you I've never left that place aware of a change. I have never walked out of a place except for the presence of God that I'll feel, the peace of God or He'll follow me. But I've never walked out like knowing I'm different. I just believe I am because I believe that. And when I get the opportunity in life to manifest whether I'm different or not, I'm different. Do you get it? When I first got saved, I didn't even know I was changing. And people all around my life were saying, man, what's going on with you? Man, what's up with you? And I didn't even really know what they were talking about, except I was in love. I knew I had this secret thing going on. (laughs) This new lover in my life. Kimmy, there's another lover. (laughs) She actually knew it and was freaked out and mad at it for a while because she was hurt. I never left my bedroom knowing I was changing. Like a child, I was believing this is all true. And I was saying, yay. And it was restoring me back to a place of simple innocence where everything around me was lowered. And everything that was going on in me was raised. And then you live by faith and not by sight. Nothing outside my door changed. Nothing at work changed. Nothing changed on the way. There wasn't even a great change in the city I live in or even the relationships I had. There was a change in my eye. What I used to call wisdom wasn't wisdom anymore. What I found in him became my wisdom. You meditate that out. You enter in. Right there, that track I was on, I just did that by grace and pulled out by grace. I could have been on that track. Who knows? Where does that end? Where does that even lead you? Oh, you got it? So go on a journey. Start meditating. Don't just read your Bible to feel Christian and feel like you're doing what you should. Meditate on the word. Don't be in a hurry. Read one or two things that are starting to speak to you and camp there till it becomes yours. He had me in Philippians chapter 2 for 13 weeks and told me don't read anywhere else. Years and years ago. Philippians 2 for 13 weeks. Why? He was saying, I don't want you to know that. I want you to become that. And when you become that, I'll let you read somewhere else so that everything you read will be seen through that. And then you won't be a Bible egghead. You'll be a revelation of Christ. Do you get it? <laughs>